Hey guys, welcome to Today's the Day with Zach Anderson. This episode is brought to you by Alchemy Sales Coaching. I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. I wanted to jump on super quick and let you guys know um, I'm extremely excited to announce that we finally have the top 10 journals live. They're on todaysthedayshop.com. Make sure you go and get yours. These things are perfect. We got them to the T exactly how we want them. It took longer than we were hoping, but they're amazing. I can't wait for you guys to go and implement these practices and develop these habits that have completely changed my life. So go and check out the journals, go and get yours today. Um, and I appreciate you guys much love. What up, what up, what up everybody. Welcome back to today's the day. Um, I'm excited to get cranking. Mr. John, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have you. Um, it's going to be kind of a, a little bit of a different vibe, which I'm stoked for. We've had a few people from your guys' industry. Um, and I think it's going to hit heavy for your guys. For those of you that do not know, Mr. John Taylor, you are the grit guy. Everyone knows you as the grit guy, right? Gritty. Yeah, you're gritty. You do your thing. Um, but real quick bio on you for those that don't know you. Um, from Kaysville, Utah, as of right now, you're the co-founder and managing partner at, at Grit. You guys have over a thousand sales reps. You're about to go do over a hundred million dollars in revenue. Um, and you came from being the VP of sales at Green X prior. In your career there, you'd sold over a thousand accounts in a summer, which was a really, really big deal. A lot of people have followed suit since, but really, really big deal. Um, you graduated in finance back when you, you had gone to college and then just living life. You're married. You got two sons right now and you're just kind of kind of cranking, doing your thing. So first off, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you being here. I'm, I'm excited to me. dive in. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. So seriously, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. We, we talked a little bit before recording things to get into, which I'm, I'm stoked about. And I think it's going to go and kind of open up people's eyes and help hopefully all the young people that are listening that are in, in a spot, whether they're in the grit in a different company, they're going to go get some gold nuggets out of this, but let's rewind. Let's, let's take it way back. So John, like growing up your situation, I think the reason we do this and the reason I find it so impactful is because it creates a lot of relatability. People realize you're so similar to everybody else. Sure. You just do some things a little bit differently. And when people can relate and then be inspired, they can go and do, do things better. Um, so rewinding way back to your, your upbringing, you're from Kaysville, small town Kaysville. Yeah. Yeah. Kaysville, uh, it's like an hour North of here, uh, to your point, right? Like we're all humans. I think a lot of time and especially, right? Like you've had legends, you talked about people in our industry, like those guys, the goats of, of the industry, but yeah, grew up in Kaysville. I have 10 siblings. <laughs> there uh, you go. Which Todd does too. I didn't yep. know that. I heard that on your podcast. So yep. I have, uh, there's 11 of us. In 15 years, so it's boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl, the whole way, which is like well thought out, well planned. <laughs> they uh, did well. Yeah. I grew up playing soccer was my sport. And I played like a lot of soccer growing up and went to Davis High. Uh, on, on, I got it. When I hear 11 siblings, so my family's huge, but we're mixed huge. Like growing mm -hmm. up, there were six of us. Two-step got introduced when I was really young. So eight of us really like growing up together. But then mixed with a ton. And I consider them all siblings, but it was like when I talked to Todd, how <laughs> growing up in Kaysville mm -hmm. with that big of a family, what was your guys' situation? Like like growing up young, young, and then getting into sports in high school, obviously, I'm sure siblings play a role in that as well. Where are you in the lineup as well? Seventh. You're seventh. So you have older siblings. Uh -huh. So that's six older, four younger, right? Yeah. Math, right? So, someone will fact check us <laughs> if not. Um, what was the dynamic there? Like, what did your parents do? Were you close with your siblings? Like, 
Did you compete with your siblings? Is that what got you to the point to go and do things at a very, very high level? Like, what was it? What was it like? Like throwing it way back? Yeah, it's a way interesting question. It's something I've thought a ton about. I have never done therapy, but I like should. Right? <laughs> like everyone should. I need to. I'm sure because I'm sure I have like all these demons. Yeah. Like growing up with that many kids, like I'm sure I went through a ton of stuff, and maybe I just like haven't thought about it. But yeah, we we were all super close in age and super close. My dad uh, is very like black and white. Like he worked, but yeah. he never missed a game. And so we always felt that love. We're super affectionate. He would, he would always say like, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Like a lot of like my truths, the way I think about things come from my dad. On the flip side, my mom uh, is a total riot. Yeah. Be like, Hey mom, I'm sneaking out. You know, she's like, okay, just be back at five. Don't tell your dad. Right. Like my mom was, is such a homie uh, and so <laughs> fun and we're, we're like super close. And so, it was an interesting dynamic of like the two polar opposites. My dad, like no video games, TV, Friday after six only. We got paddled like growing up. Yeah. Which is like interesting, like especially like in 2023, <laughs> like that's super like leather handle, like bend down, touch your ankle, like paddled. Yeah. We did Suzuki, like, like it was in a lot of ways, super organized and structured. We all matched. Which it had to be, I assume. If not, it's just chaos. Like, yeah. Dude, it's, I have two kids. And like everyone, like everyone has four kids nowadays. Like everyone, how many kids? Like everyone has four. To do that twice and then add three, <laughs> like I have two, like nine more. I, it's really is hard to comprehend. I don't know how they did it. My mom's, my mom's funny, and may, maybe we'll get into this, right? But like my mom's bipolar. She was out of the house for like years of my life, and maybe that, like, she has that type of energy to just like go, go, go. Yeah. And now my mom can like hardly get out of bed, but people are always like, Oh, 11 kids. Like I would have gone crazy. She's like, Oh, I, I did. Right. Like I have. <laughs> She's like, I've been done. No, been seriously, there. Like, no, I, so, but no, I love my family. Super cool upbringing. We're all super close. Yeah. Siblings. My siblings and I are super close. I talk to my parents often. We do like family updates. Like it's, it's an interesting dynamic. It's really cool. And we have people everywhere and doing different things. Like, I'm certainly the most like entrepreneurial. Uh, my dad is a real estate attorney. The three like paths of success were like medical school, law school, or business school. Yeah. And like corporate America, like, and like my dad's just super conservative. And so I've kind of like gone off that path and, but it's working life, out. Yeah. It's, it's, been, it's working it's been, out. It's been awesome. That's, that's great. So, so in being close growing up, it must've been it sounds like it was actually pretty structured, which is so impressive that they were able to go and manage that. And I'm sure you're thinking of all the times that weren't structured and it was chaotic, but to think about your dad making every single game that is dialed, that's yeah. unreal, especially because there's so many of you guys. Um, but growing up, how did that affect kind of how you looked at things? Were you always like, okay, were you always entrepreneurial compared to your siblings? Like, were you always like, oh, I'm going to be the black sheep in a way, or were you more of like step in line and then one day something happened where you like broke out of that? No, I've always been a hustler. And like, I've always been the kid as, cause I thought about like my childhood, like what things shown through and like now my career, like I was always the kid that my friends would ask to ask their parents for things like, Hey, can we go to Burger King? Right. Mm. And like, they would ask me to ask, uh, I started a lawn bowing business in junior high and then high school. And then my buddy and I started J and J salty guys. We had what was that? J and J salty guys. Yeah, somebody should do it. I've said this before on a podcast. Like, if you're in this business, come knock my door in Vineyard. Please come find me because I hate it. It's water softener salt, the big bags yeah. installation and delivery. And so, 
You don't have to fuss. So you don't it, have right? to go carry it, dump it, all yeah, that you just jazz. Forget too. Like I, my mind's always on E until somebody comes and like fixes it because it needs fixing. Then like they fill it up. And so, anyways, we started that business. We went and knocked doors and rounded up like a ton of our. You know, we we lived in two different neighborhoods. Ward. Was this in high school? Uh huh. That's dope. So, so yeah, you've I, always kind of had that like that that itch in a way. Yeah, hustling. <clears throat> so then you you went through high school. You played soccer through high school, right uh-huh. up up through senior year. Uh huh. And then graduating, where'd life go from there? So obviously a hustler all through high school. Why were you? Like, what was the point? Was it money? Was it money? The enjoyment? Was it? No, yeah, money. We're like, we're, my family is very cheap. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had to like break out of that and like rethink how I think about money. Yeah. Like magnifying like abundance. Cause we grew up in like, we never hurt for money. My dad was super successful, but like, even to this day, like my mom cuts coupons and like, there's, it's just, it's an interesting way we think about money. Uh, it's that generation. It's a yeah. very, very present thing with that generation yeah. for sure. Yeah. And so, uh, sorry, high school, you asked, yeah, it was, it was all like, I was super money motivated, money motivated. That's we had cool. To pay for, I went on a mission. We had to pay for half of it. Yeah. And like five grand was like the Everest. Yeah. Like I couldn't. Imagine. So you, you, you worked, I didn't end up going on a mission and I know people that go and it's very impressive to me, not only when people go and sacrifice two years of their life, but they pay for a portion or all their mission yeah. like that. What for you was the driving for, were you very, very religious growing up where it's like, yeah, I know I got to, or was it like an expectation where you're like, what was that for you? And why, where'd you get the drive to go make five grand to go sacrifice two years of your life to knock yeah. on doors? Dude, it's so interesting. Cause you don't think about a lot of this stuff in your childhood ever. Right. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> so like, no, you don't unpeeling. And that's why I think, dude, I got, I got to go to therapy and like unpeel some of this stuff. <laughs> we'll consider this your yeah, first exactly. therapy yeah, session. First session. <laughs> I'm going to say, you're going to start crying at some point. I'm not going to know what happened <laughs> no, it's good. and I'm going to sit here and oh, I'm going to be like, Oh boy. Is, is, is great. I'm all for it. Uh, I was like, uh, I had fun in high school. Uh, I was never like crazy. But I was just like always going to go on a mission. I watched like a movie when I was young, young and felt what I thought was like the spirit and like was like stoked on it. An LDS mission, right? And then uh, my brother, who was, was the movie the best two years? No, no, but I love that movie. One of our guests, <laughs> one of our guests produced that movie. Yeah, yeah, legit movie. <laughs> it was a Joseph Smith movie. Cool. And at Temple Square, and like that's where like I feel like I felt like the. That's the first time I remember feeling like God. Yeah. In my life, uh, which was a super like impactful moment for me, and then. My brother was like anti-religion. Like mm-hmm. he parted all high school, like went to Utah State, wasn't going on a mission. He was my idol, like still is in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, he's he did Harvard Law School. He like does M&A in New York, like totally different than what I do, but yeah. he's awesome. Um, and uh, so he, he went to Utah State, went and did uh, pest control, hated it, quit after like two weeks. My oldest brother did pest control yeah. and crushed it. Uh, but he read this book called The Alchemist, wanted to know if there was God. He bought a Book of Mormon, read it, you know, felt like he felt like it was, you know, true and discovered God. And then he totally changed. Like, really? Yeah. Like he was pretty angry growing up and pretty like rude to most people besides me. Like I had his black form shirts. I had his, he skated, I skated. He played soccer. I played soccer. He loved menu. I love menu. Uh, but he was just like way happier after that summer, like lighter. He felt yeah. lighter. And, and so anyways, long story short, which for you as his little brother had to be somewhat like inspiring in a way, for sure. which is cool. That's really cool. For sure. So anyways, long story short, we were there one night in my parents' house and I was like, well, cool dude. Like, you know, what's your plan? Like, are you going back to school? And he's like, no, like 
uh, oh, well, I went to the dentist and heard something because he, anyways, and I'm like, no, dude, like my oldest brother already went on a mission. My next one's not going for a long time. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, I think it's like Patrick. And I'm like, he's not going on a mission. And they're like, no, I think. So like they kind of spilled the beans because he didn't tell anyone. Really? So that night we go <laughs> and he's like, yeah, dude, like I was like, I heard something weird. I didn't want to bring it up. We would always go get like leader Mountain Dews and chill and chat. And it was, he was like, yeah, here's my call. And he like showed me it. But we were, waiting. oh, he already had his call. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. That's cool. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah. The next week, my dad and brother were getting back from Thailand. They, my dad called like a family meeting because if there's that many kids, like you have to like, <laughs> you have to corral everybody. Yeah, for sure. Schedule everyone, a time to talk. Everyone thought uh, my dad was telling us all that like they were getting divorced. I didn't because I knew. And my parents aren't divorced and, you know, whatever. But, uh, and then he's like, oh, I'll turn the time over to Patrick. So anyways, that was like super. So that was the first time in my life that I like wanted to know if it was like actually for me. And then I felt like I did and prayed and got an answer and then went and served a mission in Tahiti. You served in Tahiti. Uh, I went to Utah State for a bit, went to Tahiti. First era. Two full years. Uh-huh. That's Two amazing. Years. How was that? It was amazing. Like, coolest. Like, ever. I say, like, it saved my life. I attribute most good things I have in my life to. Why? Why do you think that? Uh, I think I left as, like, a young, and maybe it was just that time. Maybe I could have gotten, but I think it accelerates. Like, it's a really hard thing, like door knocking, like most things. Like, if you go do something really hard, it, like, accelerates growth. Mm-hmm. And so the mission was that for me. Uh, I went all in on it. I was stoked on it. I had to learn French and Tahitian, and it was like really hard. F- first five months were on Bora Bora. That was like chill, but then hard. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, dude, I, it was just it was just amazing. And and I look at like who I married, who I like loves. Like I'm so stoked on my wife. And yeah, I went to BYU after, and like my education, like I wouldn't have done. That like work ethic of like knocking doors to level. Like a lot of it, I attribute back to like those lessons learned yeah so that's that's what i want to ask is there's in most people's lives and the reason i love hearing stories is because there's a few things first thing you go and you realize okay everybody's life isn't so different Mm -hmm. and the next thing you realize is almost everybody goes and has catalyst moments basically moments where it's like breakthroughs and they happen multiple times in life obviously to go and hit different levels and and the mission and the reason i'm such a big fan of missions i didn't serve a mission but like I, i support anybody that does is because i think that's a breakthrough time for a lot of people and what a breakthrough is is either you learn things that never leave you or you gain a new perspective on life which changes how you do things all of that so my question for you is like what lessons did you learn or what perspectives did you gain out on the mission to go and really shape the way you looked at everything since then yeah the first thing that comes to mind is like i really learned and i'm still learning i mean by no expert am i but like humility for the first time like like i thought i was really hot thing in high school we won state like i was like I thought I was the center of the universe. Yeah. And going on my mission, living in uh, like a third world co- like country, and you just like very quickly realize like, oh, like people don't care about you at all. Yeah. It, to some extent, right? Like people care, but like no one thinks about you as much as you think about you and they never will. Everyone thinks about themselves and yep. they're the center of their own universe, right? Yep. And so that like really hit me on my mission of like, oh, like I, people – like I'm walking up they They don't actually, they're not actually thinking about like how I'm walking and how my tie looks like they're not yeah. actually not, they're thinking about their own problems. Exactly. And so on my mission, I really like, I feel like learned that Yeah. where I used to think that like, whether it was like playing soccer or like dude, up in a, you know, passing the sacrament or doing whatever, like everyone's looking at me. Yeah. 
And they think I'm either cool or they think I'm not cool. They have it's like no, like they actually you, don't have an opinion. They don't care. Well, you just you just nailed probably one of the most important lessons for someone to go and embody, and that is like if you knew how little people actually thought about you, you'd be offended. And like it's I, so I true. Heard that, but that is so true. It is. And and you learn that in learning that on your mission, I would argue that's so valuable. And you also hit this on the head. The reason that's so valuable is because when you feel like the center of the universe and you think people are always thinking about you, it goes one of two ways. It either goes and turns you into a total prideful, cocky prick. That was more me. Or it goes and completely destroys your confidence, makes you extremely insecure and makes you act different than you actually want to act. That's the two ends of the spectrum. And if you can go and remove that, that, that way of like living based on what you think other people think about you, you go and you start, in my experience, you go and you live in a way that makes you way happier, way more fulfilled, and also gives you a chance to have a much bigger impact. So that's a really, I'm glad you brought that lesson up. I don't, we haven't really had anyone hit on that super heavy, and I love that. I think that's super important. Yeah, 1,000% doubling down on what you just said of, and, and I think about the people who I like the most, uh, who I interact with, and I'm like, oh, do I really like them? I've thought about this a ton, like, why is that, right? And a lot of the people that you've had, like, a front row seat to, right? Like, whether it's Casey or Jeff or all those guys. Or it's, like, one of my favorite people in the world is Matt Rasmussen at Ion. Yeah. And it's like, why do I like, or Dave Decker. I just met Matt a few weeks ago, actually. Such a homie. Yeah. But the reason why, why, I think, is because they're authentic. And what I mean by that is, if I am thinking about your... If I am trying to shape the way you think about me, if I'm trying to control, dude, I want I want to come on this podcast and I want Zach to think I'm a certain way. Yeah. I want him to think I'm whatever those things are. It's really hard for me to be authentic. Yeah. Because I'm trying to control your way of thinking. Where if I'm just... I want Zach to think I am how I am. Yeah. If I'm just really like... And I and I have my truce. It's interesting. Like, anyways, I, I have my truce and like kindness is the biggest one. Like, if you're not nice, I don't care what you are. Like, if that's what I'm focused on, just being kind... And like authentic, then like you're probably gonna get what you want anyways. Like, oh, dude, I really want people to like me. What's well, like, well, then don't try to get people to like you. Be really kind. Take interest in them, not as like a strategy, but like just be genuine and authentic. And then like you're it probably gonna get all the things that you actually want anyway. It works out. Yeah, that goes along with the principle, and, and I hammer this into my guys, and it was hammered into me. Is like you have to place all of your focus on your inputs in whatever yeah. it is, and if you yeah. start to focus on the outputs, it compromises your inputs. By doing that, it compromises your output. 100%. So to make that less confusing is you got to go focus on like what you're putting into everything, your relationships, your work, everything. And if you're absolutely aware of that and doing it on purpose for a reason, your outputs are always going to go work out. But the second you start worrying about your outputs, you feel a sense of being out of control, right? And that creates scarcity. That creates all of these negative emotions that go and make it really hard to get the outputs that you want. Yeah, so Jeff, I love that. Jeff Mendez said it. On your podcast, so plug for that podcast. He has his 25 truths. I texted him after. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, here they are. He's just totally abundant, right? But the it's not the first one. The first one talks about gratitude, but one of them of the 25 principles is what you're speaking to, which is, and he spoke about it here, uh, focus on the sowing, not the reaping. Yeah. So many people focus on like the result and the goal, and like, and it's like, no, dude, like control the inputs, focus on the sowing. The law of the harvest will happen. If you do all those things, like you're going to get what you actually want. A thousand percent. Most of the time. A thousand percent. Like that. And that's, and even sometimes, and you said most of the time, I'm glad you added that because sometimes you're not going to get what you want, but you're going to get what you need. 
you're going to get what you're supposed to get. Yeah. Which is a really, really cool lesson to go and learn. Like of everyone I've had on here, none of their lives have turned out exactly how they planned. Yeah. None of them. Yeah. But they're all extremely happy with how their lives turned out. So realizing that I think is super important. Yeah. You guys have talked about it before on this podcast. Life is happening for you. You can only connect the dots looking backwards, right? What you thought was the worst thing ever when Casey, you know, that company went bankrupt, right? Like what he thought was the worst thing ever yep. ended up being the biggest blessing of his life. Yeah. But because he controlled the inputs, right? Like exactly. Life just doesn't happen for you if you're sitting on your thumbs, right? Exactly. Like if that's the Y, like you're the X and you'll get the Z, but like you off, you have to do both. Exactly. I love that. So, so sorry to get off on a tangent, but I think that like, so many nuggets in a little, little span of time. So served a mission, learned some extremely valuable lessons, got home from your mission, got, got into school and then. Yeah. Vivint. All right. right film right, me right let's right rock. So right when you got home, went uh, into Vivint uh-huh. door to door. Yeah. The, the Hart twins, we grew up playing soccer together with Davis. They sold before the mission sold after they were a year older than me. So when they got back, when I got back, I got home like on a Sunday on Tuesday, I was in a, you know, training, like getting ready. And I was like, yeah, cool. Like this feels good to me. And so I did, I did spring term at BYU. I wait, I was a waiter <laughs> and then I went and sold that summer in Mississippi. Uh, Where in Mississippi were you? We were, we went down to like Moss Point. We went like all over, but okay. my first week I went and shadowed Nick Brown and like Brian Vogelsberg office. Yeah. Mark Franson. Like, yep. yeah, I know Vogelsberg. So I was like my first, cause I had to wait to get licensed. And I sold nine my first six day, my first six days. And I was like, oh, like I love this. Yeah. Like I'd worked hourly jobs and it was like, oh, like I love this. I can compete. I can like control my own destiny with this. And so I remember somebody in the office being like, oh, like, I think you like found your thing. Yeah. Oh, like sick. Like, yeah, I'm stoked on this. (laughs) That's amazing. Mississippi's and, and tell me how off topic because I sold in Mississippi as well. My first year I was in Northern Mississippi, Memphis, Tennessee, down to Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally different from where we grew up. Yeah. Like, and, and I think that was one of the most valuable things I could have ever done was for go sure. be fully immersed in a different culture. Yeah. And I, and I love it and I'm so grateful for it. And I continue to go to the South every single year. Yeah. Like it's my, it's my favorite thing ever. Faith, family football, right? But Good people. Doors open, come in, you knock on the door, they're like, come in. You're like, no, you're like, like, okay. you don't know who I am, <laughs> dude. I'm not, I'm not family. Yeah. Like, no, you're literally knocking and you just have so much cash in your pocket. You're just ready. And you're like, oh. But no, to your point, and I think that's one of the biggest blessings and lessons of a mission is that experience, right? Like you got that experience, you didn't get on a mission, but you got that experience in Mississippi. Yeah. And it opens up your eyes, like traveling opens up your eyes to the world. Yeah. It's like, oh, like Mormon, Provo, Utah, that's like not the world. Yeah. Like that's like, there's bigger than Utah. There's like Saudi Arabia. There's like Asia. You start traveling and you're like, oh, the world's bigger than. It's huge. My, you know, hundred square miles. Exactly. No. So, so you go out, you have a phenomenal experience, which is very different from my story. So if you don't know my story, <laughs> go listen to my story. It's on one of the, the solo episodes. Um, and you kind of find your niche, right? And then you go back from summer. I assume you continue in school cause you did gra- end up graduating yeah. with a degree yeah. in finance. Yep. Went back to BYU, was going to do corporate finance. Like was going to do, and then I was going to do Northwestern mutual, but a guy told me there like, look, it can be hard. Like you should go out. Well, so sorry. First I sold in Utah cause we were getting married. Mm. My wife's mother uh, told me no, and so we had to wait for a bit. And it was a long story that she was a year out of Told high school. you, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a whole other story. She told you no, like, no, you can't marry her? Hard no. Like, not even. <laughs> I, I got to understand this a little bit better. You got to fill me in on that. My wife graduated high school. I had met her playing volleyball. I was like, oh, she's cute. But then, like, I just kept thinking about her. This was in 2015. So we were almost married seven years. Okay. She, she's amazing. Um. 
And so anyway, she graduates high school. I take her out on a date. Uh, waterfall, romantic. I mean, the whole thing, right? Uh, she went to Lake Powell. By the time she got back, I was in Mississippi. So we talked on the phone all summer. That was that summer. Come back August. She goes to Utah State. I go to BYU. We do the weekend things. And then in November, two months later, we're asking her mom. And her parents are divorced. So it's really just like her mom. Yeah. If she, if we could marry if we could get married. And she said, hell no. She said, she said no. <laughs> yeah, Why no. did she say no? What was her reasoning? Uh, she's protective. And then her, she, her, I mean, Emily was 18. So honestly, like looking back, I bet in the moment that was like a huge slap in the face. Yeah, was, looking back though, do you think that was probably what you needed to hear and for, probably what you guys needed to go and have the relationship you do now? Yeah, for sure. It was like, that's cool. Well, I picked her, I went and talked to her at a Harmon's <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I went and picked my wife back up and, she was like, how'd it go? I was like, oh, it was like really good. And she's like, oh, tell me about it. And I started telling her about it. She's like, that was not like that. That does not sound yeah, good. Like, it couldn't have gone worse. Uh, and then essentially, you know, my wife just told her mom, like, hey, we're getting married in July. Like, we'd love to have you there. And it was really like, a, like, okay, like we're like, this is us. So she took you serious at that point, I assume. Yeah. Like her she mom had a choice. Yeah. And it wasn't like I had my head down. I wasn't talking, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, yeah, like we're doing this and. We did, and then the year after, so I did pest control in Utah that summer. The year after was my first full summer, but it was going to be my last summer, obviously. It's always the last summer. <laughs> my first three were, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I went out and, like, you know, I'd made 18 grand my first year. thought I was the richest guy in the world. Yep. Made 35 year, like, second, you know, second, it's half summer in Utah. Told my wife, like, we're good. Like, what do you want, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You can have anything. Here's yeah, the credit card. Yeah, like, babe, like, where do you want to go on vacation? Like, we're good. <laughs> Just such a small world, right? Like, because five grand was my mountain. Yeah. So then I made 35 and I was like, oh, like. Oh. I totally understand you. I remember buying AirPods and anyone who's listening, <laughs> I tell the story all the time. That, for whatever reason, stands out to me. I ordered AirPods and I was like. Pfft. Made it. Yeah, I walk into UV with my AirPods first week, and I'm like, yeah, they're no wires. 100%. I bought them. They're mine. They're yeah. So I totally relate. I totally hear you. But then, yeah, I did my first full summer that year. I made like 160, and I was like, oh, like, oh, this is like. Was that when you finally made the switch of uh -huh. like corporate uh -huh. corporate game plan to, yeah. I'm just going to run with this thing yeah. and see what it does? Yeah, they started talking to me because I was finishing fi my finance at BYU in April of that next year. They started talking about becoming VP of sales. And but the time wasn't right, so I was like, oh, "I'll go sell one more summer." That's the summer I sold a thousand, and then I became the VP of sales. And then that next summer, I ended up doing it again, and and then you know we kept right in, and then Green X wanted to slow growth, and then we, I mean, I'm fast forwarding a lot, and we started great marketing, and <laughs> and now here we are, and now here we are, and there we go. It's been like I said, it's been amazing, and surrounded by incredible humans. So along that way, there's a few things that stand out to me. Um, biggest one being you made a pretty big pivot. And I assume that year you went and made almost double six figures was why the pivot was so easy. Yeah. more. Yeah. Well, then I more than doubled. Well, you know, so yeah. Sorry. Yes. That year it was like, oh yeah, this is going to work. Yeah. So that's really, really cool. And you had to have the confidence to go and do that. But on top of that, you also did some very notable things in the industry. Just so everyone understands. A thousand, a thousand accounts and pest controls top 1%. Like mm -hmm. you are of 50,000 pest control reps to ever do it. You're in the top probably 200 maybe that have ever done a hundred that have ever done it. Maybe, yeah. right. You know, better than me on that, yeah. but like literally like it's a like very for alarms, three, 400, right? Exactly. Like, it's, a lot. it's a very minuscule amount of people that do it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, where did the switch flip? So my best year was just over 300 and like 
you have to turn on a different mode to do that. Yes, right. And is. I've only done it one year. So I have mad respect for people who go consecutively do things. I did it to say I did it because yeah. I'm not talented or I wasn't talented getting into sales or anything like that. But I had to flip a certain switch where I was like probably an unhealthy switch, like an obsessed, like everything I did revolved around hitting a certain metric. And you went and did the the equivalent or even greater in my opinion, honestly. So like you had to have flipped that switch unless yeah. you're just incredibly talented and I'm missing something, no. which I don't think applies to anybody. But like, no, it was a switch. Where did that come from? Because yeah. you, I mean, you must have done good in your first year at Vivint. You must have done pretty good your second year in Utah. But like, you, third, third year was, and I sold five hundred, which is great. Year, like that's great. that's like that right there. You're no, that's yeah, a lot of people's caps. Yeah, stoked. Exactly, richest guy ever. Exactly. <laughs> and then at some point you go and you're like, oh, I'm gonna just go double that. Yeah. Where did that come from? I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far. It was brought to you by Alchemy Sales Coaching. Now, I typically don't run ads, um, but I feel very strongly about Alchemy Sales Coaching. I started doing one-on-one coaching with Doug back in 2019. And since then, I have gone and not only blown up my career and my earnings, um, but it's really helped me through just the ups and downs of life. Now, the reason I feel so strongly about Alchemy is because it's a group of individuals not only focusing on furthering their sales career, but they're diving deep into inner work um, and becoming the best version of yourself so you can show up and be the best version of yourself. Um, not only that, if you have any interest in doing any one-on-one coaching with me, I exclusively do all of my one-on-one coaching through Alchemy. Um, so for full access to me, go and check out Alchemy. I think you'll absolutely love it. It's alchemysalescoaching.com. We will also go and post um, the links in our bio and on stories, et cetera. So go check it out. Yeah, and remind me, because you always talk about lows, right? Talking about like the consecutive summer, that was like a low point. So if we circle back to that, like we'll get there. Yeah, please. Uh, it was actually, it was interesting. So I did 500, and then the next year, my goal was 720, 40 a week, clockwork, 18 weeks. Like, I'm going to go do it. Uh, I go out for week one, 43, right? Go out week two, like 45, 42, something like that. And then these two guys from another company get out there and they sell like 55. Mm. And I was like, well, like, yeah, I mean, if they can yeah, do it, if they can, that was like, so they, the four minute mile, like elevates, right? Yep. And then it was, it, it's, it, it comes down to belief and you've had people that have believed in you, right? I listen to those stories. Everyone does. Yeah. Everyone who does something great has people in their corner cheering them on. 90, I should say 99%. Like yeah. maybe somebody went and did it against all odds. Yeah. It's just really, it's just way harder to do. Yeah. And so my partner now, his name is Ben Egan. He was one of those guys that came out and started selling at an elite level. And I was a VP of sales. So I did competitions, right? Yeah. And I was doing the competitions. We were doing like weekend wars head to head. And I was like, cool. So like Ben's selling the most right now. Like let's put him up against Landon Hart, who I thought was the best. Yeah. And the president at the time said, no, Ben wants to go against you. He thinks you're the best. And that was it. You're like, well, shit, okay. He said it. No, dude, literally, <laughs> that was it. Like, oh, Ben thinks I'm the best. Yeah, like, I'm the best. Like, I'm I, I'm the best and I'm going to be the best. And then and that was just like math, right? Like, if I can get to 400 by the end of June, I can do 200 a month, which is exactly what I did. Like, I could have done more. So yeah. I ended up staying, right, like, 800 exactly at the end of August, like, 803. Finished September 26th, right? Like, and then the year after, did it way shorter time. But it was that switch for me of like, why not believe I'm the best? Which that's actually really, that's very different from my experience, but it, it follows the same principle. So like you just said, 99% of people go do something great. They have somebody believe in themselves yeah. before they do. Yeah. 
And in your situation, he believed in you enough to just say, oh, he thinks you're the best. And you just flipped the switch and like (laughs) went beast mode. I had somebody literally sit me down and like, tell me like, you can do it. I believe in you. And I still didn't believe myself for like six more months. But what that got me to do was the next step is I'm like, okay, if he believes in me, I may, I, I owe it at least one more day of knocking to try. Right. And then that led into one more day. And then I finally started over time. And, and Brad said on his episode, when we came on Brad Rossiter, you, you confuse often confidence with experience. And I got to the point where I, I finally got that belief after so much experience, but you had like this switch flipped. You just needed someone to say you were better than heart and you, you like switched and just that's sick. Like that is very, very cool. Yeah, but it's interesting. And I thought this when you said it, something that people discount in business all the time somebody that I really respect said this is timing and luck. And so was that the first person to ever tell me I was the best or believe in me? Probably not. Yeah. For whatever reason, that That moment moment. of time, I was ready for it. Mm, That's like the universe had set me up to where I was like, cool, cool. I put in all the work. Like I, I have this, you know, process of uh, success and, and, you know, you go through it, you have the desire, you have belief, uh, you understand why, right? Like, you want it, you understand why you want it, you believe it, you go work really hard. Then you start to get results and that increases your belief. And then that belief, you go work really hard and then you get bigger results and then that. And, and so yeah. in case he's talked about it on your podcast, right? Like your your goals, your dreams just keep getting bigger yeah. because your results and your, your stacking dubs, you now have the confidence to lean on those. Of like, oh no, dude, I've done this and this and this. Like before I'd done a thousand or before I'd done this or before you had done whatever it is, yeah. you had never done it. Yeah. But now once you did, now it's like, okay, your horizon expands. Now you have new goals and visions and dreams. So I'm curious if you, if you agree with this. So the way that I've understood that, and I went to, I've been to a lot of Tony Robbins seminars and like, they're my favorite and Casey took me to my first one or let me come with him when I was 19 years old. Amazing. And one thing that he talks about is like, that, that belief cycle you just talked about belief leads to actions, which leads to accomplishments, which leads to greater beliefs, which is just a cycle that yeah. continues growing and growing and growing. But the reason like, I want to make sure I explain this the right way. The reason that's so impactful and the reason that that works is because what a belief actually is, and Tony Robbins broke this and I'm curious what you think. What a belief actually is, is you're now creating a new identity for yourself. And in the journal that we just released and we just dropped and we're selling, there's like a, there's a full page every week dedicated to crafting your identity. And Casey Bod does it. It's, it's one of his weekly planning practices. Yeah, yeah. And the reason you want to go and craft your identity is because Tony Robbins says the number one most influential, impactful and powerful um, driving force in a human being is the need to act exactly as they identify themselves. Mm-hmm. So in congruence with their identity. Mm-hmm. So what I view that as is you go and you develop these beliefs in yourself, which really what that's doing is making that belief. Now you all of a sudden, your identity is I'm the best, right? And now that is the most powerful force in your body is to go and act in alignment with I'm the best, right? And that's why I think beliefs are so powerful. So truly, if if you have a hard time, like, I don't know how to go gain belief myself, just go write I am whatever and go create an identity and go. I mean, the journal is a perfect, a perfect option. Every week there's a category where you write what you are in every aspect of life. And now you have to go act in alignment because you said it. And I think that's why it's so powerful. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge Casey Baugh disciple, like actually. uh, And so by nature, obviously then big Tony Robbins guy. And I, I do the the weekly planning. I do the morning routine every morning. 
uh, and I do the priming every morning, right? And I yeah. do the three questions every morning. Yeah. Uh, and there's and there's two books that have sold like multi multi millions of copies, right? As a man thinketh, all things are created spiritually than physically, mm-hmm. and and uh, think and grow rich, which are these principles, right? Like think it, believe it, and it has a chance to become, right? Yeah. And you have to go do all the work, right? Like it's the reason why vision boards are so powerful. Yeah. Right? Like put it on a vision board, make it on Canva. Have it as your background. Has it everywhere. Mine's printed off in my morning routine. I see it every morning, right? And it's like, cool. These things I can see. Like, what does it look like? What does it feel like? And then you start to manifest those, and you give yourself at accomplishing whatever success or greatness is for you. Yeah. No, 100%. I I, I love that. I was just curious on your opinion. Um, so now in your position, you've led hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of reps at this point. You've gotten to see all walks of it and everybody trying to go accomplish these really, really big feats and everything like that. So my question for you is obviously in your own personal experience, you have been an excellent rep and you've been excellent at what you do. Um, but what would you say are some of the differentiating factors from like your average guy who everyone wants to be the top rep? I don't think anyone goes out for a summer that doesn't say, Oh yeah, I want to be the best, but very few people follow through on that. And what do you think are the attributes that, that are, apparent in those people that are all that, that those people have like what do you think they have that others don't or they do that others don't yeah we we did our leadership conference a couple weeks ago and the framework for this uh is so often and, and it's from calvin escobedo and he explained it this way and i think it was just spot on and there's a lot of thoughts around this right but i love this one of if c is your goal so many people have the equation a which is like your inputs uh your hard work b which is the crap, right? Like the, he called it the shit. Like I'm not a swear guy. So my, I said that and I swear and guy, I said that in the conference and everyone went berserk. They like loved it, but it's quoting. So it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, right. Like you hopefully we'll bleep, we'll bleep it for yeah, you. Bleep, yeah. We'll bleep it for the guys for sure. They'll love it. Uh, no, like all the crap, right? Like and all the crap you deal with. So hopefully like the B is low. So like you put in the A, you have the inputs, your structure, everything. Hopefully like the B is low and then like C is your result. Mm. And so many people are like, okay, like I know I'm going to go out and work hard. Like I know I'm going to try to like control myself and I'm going to have hard days and whatever. Hopefully the B is like low and then like the C is like the result. And hopefully it's like what I want. Yeah. Where what he said and, and was just so true and, and I'm a huge greatness fan in sports, especially I'm a huge sports guy. There's greatness everywhere, right? But like Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, LeBron James, Cristiano, Michael Phelps, like what do they all have in Calvin? Well, they've done it. They did it for a really long time mm-hmm. for no other reason because it's not about the money, right? Than to like be great and to like success to me is closing the gap between your performance and your potential. Yeah. Like that's what success is to me. And so in in this, right, A plus B equals C, instead of reading the equation left to right, you flip it mm. and you read it right to left. You're so focused on the result and the goal that the B doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you're going to have, and you know, right? Like the bigger you dream, the more crap's going to come. The more crap's going to come. Like if you want to live a very average life or like you're probably going to deal with less crap, probably on average, right? Yeah. And then like you, you have to work super hard. There's just no shortcut to, shortcut to success. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has this incredible clip on it on YouTube. Look it up. It's amazing. I just like hard work. You just have to work really hard. Yeah. But if you think about anybody or when you've been great or when anybody does something really great, to me, they become obsessed with their goal. Yeah. And that's the X factor. And yeah. then it's like, cool, whatever that is in life, I'm going to go crush it in my new company. I'm going to go, you know, be extremely fit. It's like, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do everything necessary to do it. Yeah. 
And like, I just don't care about all this other stuff. Like I'm, I'm going to get the job done. Yeah. Is the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is being a sponge, like mm. learning, being coachable. So many people want a great mentor, right? Like, Oh dude, if I, well, yeah. Like dude, if I, like if I was Zach and I had Casey ball, like as a mentor, like, yeah, dude, I would be as successful as him. Yeah. Or what's well, like, okay, cool. Like, Who's the who's the top person in the world you want to be mentored by? Tony Robbins. Okay, cool. Well, if you don't have two hundred grand or hundred thousand or ten grand, whatever it is to go uh, to go to his conference, Casey says it this way, right? In twenty twenty three, you are irresponsible if you're uneducated. Yep. You want to be mentored by Steve Jobs? Read his book. Yeah. You want to be mentored by Stephen Covey, like one of the greatest minds of the last generation? Like, dude, he wrote all his best thoughts into a book. Yeah. You want to be mentored by Casey Ball? Go to Spotify, search Casey Ball. There's like eight podcasts. Yeah. That Casey is literally just trying to give the best practices for success. But most people say they want it and then they don't actually do it. Yeah. And it's those people, it takes humility, it takes a desire uh, to be a sponge, to learn and always be learning, continual learning of going out and seeking and podcasts and books and conferences and. And conversations, go meet people, like yeah. go talk to people. If you're on the doors, Zach Seeger, one of our guys does this, like at the end of every cell, he asks, and people love talking about themselves, so it connects them, but more than anything, right? It's, hey, so like, I'm a young kid, like, you know, what was a piece of advice that you wish I had, right? If When you were my age, what you is a piece of advice you wish you had? Yeah. And then like, be a sponge, learn. Yeah. And then you'll inevitably grow if you go and like you put it into practice. So I'd say yeah. those two things, like the goal, obsession, the belief, all the things that come with that. And then, you know, the desire, all those things. And then like learning, growing, like actually. Yeah, dude, I've got, so I've got to touch on the, the, that equation. I've never actually heard the equation, but I've heard it said in different ways. Sure. And basically like <clears throat> the way that resonates with me and the reason that's so powerful is because so many people, like you said, they focus on A, B and then C. And what that means is they know what they want vaguely or they go set a really good goal yeah. and then they determine how much input they're going to put in. But then if B is a variable, meaning B could be way worse than you expect yeah. or way better, and you let that determine your outcome, you're very rarely going to find success. Yeah, your guys are pissed. There's a tornado. It's rain. You have managerial stuff, whatever it is. Exactly. Right? Like the B mounts up. Exactly. So if if you can flip that and you can approach with, I know exactly what I want. I don't know what's going to happen yet, but once I know, then I'll be able to determine the input that I need to put in to get what I want. Yep. Then there's no, you let your input be the variable where it's like, yeah, the only thing that means is I'm going to have to work harder. It doesn't mean I'm not going to get what I want. It just means I might have to change how hard I thought I was going to have to work. And that's happened every year that I've gone and had breakthrough years. Selling 300, it, it was even harder than I expected. And I thought I was prepping for it to be the hardest thing it could possibly be. Yeah. Like I was like alone for a lot of the time. I was like yep. sick because I was like, again, yep. unhealthily obsessed. Yep. Right. I wasn't eating. C was the biggest thing in your That's world. That's all I thought about. Yep. Like I didn't care about anything else. Um, so I, I like that equation. I've never actually heard that. That's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. And then all your energy went towards that. Our energy, Jim Collins talks about a flywheel, which is like the wheel of, you know, fortune, huge wheel, right? What happens when you push it? It moves barely. Yeah. And you push it again and it moves a little bit. And then you start to go momentum and soon enough, if you're, for positive or negativity, like you feed into the negative stuff. Oh, dude, this guy sucks. I suck. I This job isn't for me. Yada, whatever it is, your flywheel just starts spinning. And now you're off the road. Now, like you're digging yourself out of a huge Exactly. You gave so much energy to that. You just put yourself down, down, down. Yep. I think you said it with Finn. If you're in a hole, like stop digging, right? Like quit pushing yourself down. It's the first rule. Right? Yep. 
and but the same on the positive dude i'm the guy i'm the i'm gonna you know i'm gonna break records i'm gonna set a new standard uh i'm i have incredible people around me i'm so grateful who am i boom 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 now your energy is flowing now that flywheel dude you're you're untouchable yeah right? like and then things are gonna come and you're gonna deal with it because dude you're you're the guy exactly no i i love that like it all goes back to identity honestly which i i love and i think it's such a valuable lesson to go and learn early yeah like I, I really, really think so. So pivoting just a little bit, I have a question for you. And we talked a little bit prior to starting and um and starting recording this, but the one thing that the grit does phenomenally well, obviously we compete. And I think a lot of people have been more surprised than not when I had Kyle Nelson on and, yeah. and I've had different guys from different industries on. I just think there's so much value. And one thing I've learned is anyone who's truly successful is gonna go help anyone they can be successful. Yeah. And if they're not willing to help, that's a really good sign. They're probably flaunting something they don't have. Hundred percent. Um, but on that, like the company that you guys you guys run, the grit, and like the one thing that I would say you guys do a phenomenal job at, which is the most important part about the, the groups that I lead, the region that I lead is like yeah. culture. That is my number one. That would, that would be, if I said there's something I'm good at that I think I've, I've, I've like dumped my heart and soul into it's culture. And I know my reasons for it. I know what makes a good culture for me, but I have a couple questions on culture for you. And I know you have an amazing team that helps facilitate that, but you also get to oversee everything and make sure it's, it's, you get a, you get a front row seat, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. So how would you define culture? What does that mean? Like, cause that word is so loosely thrown around, thrown especially around. in the industry. For sure. Like, how would you define culture? culture? Matters. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So two, two things. So your first point about you bringing on, you know, me, a competitor, quote unquote, uh, Kyle, whomever, right? I think it's a real testament to the abundance of our generation. Dude, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, people weren't doing this from what I understand. It was super, way more cutthroat. And so I think in today's age, people like you, uh, like us, right? Who have had so many great mentors about abundance and like, that's the, like, that's very in trend. Yeah, it feels like in 2023 yeah. is like be abundant, be giving, be growing. At least that's what I'm hearing. And yeah. Maybe it's because I surround myself with people in podcasts that are like saying that stuff for sure. But I think that's like the first thing is like, that's so big. That's such a blessing. Like there's never 2023 is such an amazing year to live life. Yeah. Uh, culture is what the leaders are bought into. Like that's like if your leaders are bought into something. And the leaders are bought into it and then people buy into it. And then everyone all of a sudden, it's like, what, what are people about? Yeah. Like are people about liquid death? Like culturally? Cause I, the, right. Like at the grit, like people are about sugar-free Red Bull. Like yeah. culturally, like that's like, that's our thing. People will make, uh, say comments about like all black because like culturally, like, but why do people wear a lot of all black at the grit? Not that we can coin that obviously like people have been wearing all black for, well, it's because like, that's what like people, like the leaders are doing. Right. Yeah. Uh, whether it's investing, like if you have a culture of investing, it means like the leaders are investing. And then all of a sudden, like people, I was just at lunch with a guy, uh, Jake, here we were talking about this and this podcast. And we were talking about culture and how people do things and like what's accepted and what's not accepted. And like culturally at the grit, traveling to like super foreign countries isn't something that the leadership does. And so like a lot of people just like don't really do it. Yeah. But culturally, we do a lot of other things, right? Whatever that's giving or whatever it is. And so. Whatever it is that you want people to buy into, one you have to do. Mm. Like you got to do it. You got to you got to walk the walk. Like lead from the front, and that's culturally right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but people all the time, right? And we have an incredible creative team. And like I said, I can't I can't take any credit for the design of it. Uh, but I certainly can at least say that I've bought into what we're about. Yeah. And the why of the grit is impact and people. Mm. 
And those are the way that's that's what we make decisions around, right? And so culturally, right? It's one thing to say you're about it, right? Or people come to whether it's MFG or other design firms like, oh, like make us like look a certain way. Like I want to look like this, or I want like define our and then they just put like random core values. Yeah. It's like, well, is that what you're actually about? Is that what you're like actually doing? Because yeah. if it is, like those will stick and those will emanate throughout the entire uh, organization. Uh, but if it's not like, if your culture is about like cutting corners and like lying, then like that will be very apparent with, if your culture is about yourself, if you're about yourself and like, you're about the money, then your people are probably going to be about themselves and like about the money yeah. inevitably because, and you said it right. Like cliches are cliche for a reason. There's a reason why the same things kind of get said because they're true. Yeah. Like you become like the five people you surround yourself with is, is that's, that's fact. Yeah. Right? Like, and everyone, nobody wants to hear it. Right. Yeah. But like. You do because that's what people around you are doing. And then you start to build like a culture and culture isn't good or bad. Yeah. It's just what people are about. Yeah. You can have good culture, bad culture, lazy culture, a super hard working culture, a culture of integrity. You got to first decide like, cool, what do I want? What am I about? Cool. I need to live it. I need to show it. I need to get people bought in about it. And then like, let's all move towards it. And that builds. hundred percent. So, so on that, then I would say my question for you, just advice to anybody stepping into a leadership role, to anybody who's already in a leadership role, because culture is always changing as well. If you don't maintain a culture, it default, my, my belief in life is default equals negative. Yeah. Stagnant equals negative. If you're not per like purposely cultivating a certain type of culture, it's going to slowly get worse. Life by design, hundred percent. Exactly. So, so my question for you and advice for anyone stepping into a leadership role or already in a leadership role would be, what are some, some traits of a successful culture in your mind. Like if you were to give three to five, this is what a successful culture embodies. Like that's what they're about. Yeah. To me, uh, I think a couple things, right? Like to your point about culture, it's similar to trust. Trust is earned in drips, lost in buckets, right? Like mm-hmm. same with culture. Like you say you're about something and then like, do we're about working, you know, until nine o'clock on a Saturday. Like that's what we're about. And then you're seen at the apartment at, at six 30, like, no, you're not. And then oh, boom, like it's gone. Right? Yeah. I think, again, it goes back to like, there's not inherently negative or like culture is just a word to define what people are about. So first you have to understand and decide. And, and I say more understand like what you're actually about, because that's the same thing. Like MFG, when they came and they discovered like, what is the grit brand and culture? It was very strong. We just couldn't articulate it. Yeah. But it was there. Right. And so it's like, cool. What are you actually about? Well, what, like, what do you want? It's like the freaking dude. I I love, I actually love the notebook scene and the movie, whatever. Uh, (laughs) Where it's like, what do you want? Right. Where it's like, what do you like? And really like, dude, like what, what do you, if you're listening, like, what do you want? Yeah. Once you understand what you want. Okay. This is like what I want. This is like what I'm about. I understand why I want it. Then like do all do all the things you the manifesting the the explaining it to others. Hey, this is why this is important. Yeah, Tony Robbins, right? The the life mission statement, right? Like to me, and I have my mission statement, right? But then it's like cool. I have mine, and I write it, and I talk, you know, I think about it all the time, and it's like cool. That drives my life. That's what I want. Yeah. And then once you get clear on what you want, and some people are like, well, what if I don't know what I want? That's okay. Yeah. Like what I want in five years, hopefully fundamentally won't change, but like I may want different things. It's evolving. Like we're all doing the best we can. 
I love it. Like, so if I'm a leader, again, it's like, get clear on what you want. Why do you want it? Yep. Well, dude, I want to run an awesome team. Why? Because I want to make like a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. Like that's, that's fine. Like why? Well, I just like don't want to work a lot. Okay. That's like something really hard that people are going to like, dude, you should work hard because I want to make a lot of money so I don't have to work. That's a hard cause to like buy into. Yeah. Uh, my partner told a story when he was in high school. It's like, why did we win the revolutionary war? Like, what was it? What's the number one? Like, why do, why do some, why do, why do people win wars? Why does one side win? And people are like, oh, technology. No, it's not technology. Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the leaders. No, it's not, it's not the leaders. Oh, it's, it's like this, it's the strategy. No, it's not the strategy. Well, what is it? It's, it's the cause people are fighting for. Yeah. The why. Yeah. Dude, that's why people move mountains. Mm-hmm. That's why the Iron Cowboy did 101. He understand why. Yeah. You understand the sea, what it is, why it is. You'll do everything to get it done. And that's and that's one of the hardest jobs as a leader. Like one of the hardest jobs as a leader is to go and instill a vision in your people that you have for your group, which gosh, yeah, that's that's such good such good advice. Yeah. I hope everybody's freaking listening cuz that's Like it's hard for people to buy in on integrity if I don't have integrity. It's impossible, right? Like long term, it's impossible. Short term, it, it you can make it happen. Yeah, counterfeit it. Like if you're not yeah. about what you're actually about, like people will know. And so to your point, right? It's like, well, I do. Like, how do I create a culture? Like, dude, you need to become a better human. Yeah. Like you, like it starts people, with you. People aren't gonna buy into like making you money for like because of your greed. Like that's not a cause people are willing to get behind. Yeah. Impacting people's lives and like changing them financially, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, like. That is something that like people can buy in on. Yeah. Giving, right? Like charity, like impacting lives. Like Jimmy Darts on Instagram, like he has so many followers and impact because people like can buy in on that. Like, oh, we're giving yeah. to society and humans. Like that's something people are excited about. Yeah. I freaking dude, that's that is gold. I love it. Bro, I so it's already the the clock's not up and running, but I think it's already been about an hour. Yeah. So we, I mean, it flies by. It's crazy. It flies by. I want to be respectful of everybody's time. Um, and again, like over everything else, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it more than, you know, um, but kind of one last question and kind of close it out. My favorite way is, um, the name of the, the podcast obviously is today's the day. And the idea has kind of formed and become a thing because I was lucky enough to have people shape my perspective on life in a way that I, I try and embody the, the fact that right now is all I've got. Yesterday already happened. It's yeah. not going to do me any good to think about it. Tomorrow may not even happen. Like I hate to say it, but it may not even For happen. Sure. Um, so today's all I've got. And if you approach things that way, you end up getting a lot more out of it. You, you're way more present and you're there for a reason and you're with people when you're with them. Um, so my question for you would be, what advice do you have or what's an experience you had or any, any of the above that goes in, and could help somebody go and live as though today's the day? Yeah. I heard a quote, maybe it was on your podcast, but they're, they're the two least important days in a year are yesterday and tomorrow. Yep. Right. And that's that, right? Like mm-hmm. today is the most important day of your life because it's today and you'll never get it back. Dude, I've been thinking about this a ton lately because my first girlfriend ever, uh, we grew up together. Her husband died. Like, Went out on a racing with a truck. Uh, like he wasn't even driving. They got in, like the dude's vests, like all the things. And he's dead. I saw the two clips that Jimmy Rex posted. The one where the guy lost his wife, two of his kids, his brother and his nephew. 
And then the other one where the guy lost like his, you know, honey, I'm super tired. They go to bed. He wakes up. Her alarm's going off. And he he's like, oh, it's kind of odd. Goes to like nudge her and she's dead. Like, dude, you just, you literally, you have no idea like tomorrow exists or not. And so hopefully you want to live in a way that like you're stoked. My, one of my biggest things is like no regrets. Yeah. I like, and I think intent matters. Like, doesn't mean I'm not going to make mistakes. I do every day. Right. Yeah. And so I think if you're living a life of like pure intent, uh, seizing every single day with like, look, I'm going to make mistakes, but like, I'm going to do the very best I can today and I'm going to fail, but I'm going to give it my very best. And I might not have next year. Like I might not have my legs next year. Dude, I could totally get in an accident where I lose my legs. And 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 going back to Jeff Mendez, his first his first law, right, is don't be grateful for the things that you have before they before they become the things that you had. Yep. Right. And it's like, dude, you know, Carpe Diem seize the day. Like take advantage of every day. Take advantage of every person you meet in the way. Not take advantage of them. But like, dude, show them love and gratitude and appreciation. Your wives, your kids, your friends. Cause you just you just never know. Super powerful, dude. John, again, thank you so much for being here, John. You're the man. I appreciate you big time. We have a lot of part twos coming. I'm sure you'll be on the list and we'd love to love to crank it out. But so many nuggets. And then everybody that tuned in, thank you guys very much. Much love. Until next time. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Um, as always, it was a blast for me. I hope you got something out of this. If you got something out of this video of value share this with a friend and please go show your love we're on all streaming platforms including youtube spotify and apple any ratings comments likes shares they go a very long way and they make it so i can keep doing these things for you and i would appreciate it greatly so please go share with a friend until next time